Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at RomanGabriel3. Today's show will feature interviews with Denver Broncos great Carl Mecklenburg and pro skateboarder Brian Sumner. Visit FSPN.net for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. Oh, welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk. Got a great show for you tonight. Brian Sumner, pro skateboarder, will be in the next segment. But with me is a good friend of the show, former Denver Bronco. He was the 1986 AFC Player of the Year. He went to three Super Bowls with those great Bronco teams. And uh, now he's out uh, making a difference in the corporate world and in schools. Uh, Carl Mecklenburg with us. Carl, how are you? I'm doing great, Roman. Great to have you. Uh, you're today up in uh, cold South Dakota, right? North Dakota, even colder. Even colder. <laughs> north of the border. Yeah, north of the border. Well, we we uh, yeah, know in the. It's. I was gonna, I was going to say it's. Uh, it's a great opportunity for me to to speak to a couple more groups of, of people and and uh, you know let them know what what, uh, you know what my values are and 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 the reasons I've been able to to do what I've been able to do with my life. You know, you have uh, you played the game of football for a long time, but you were telling me off the air that, you, that now you've been a corporate and school speaker longer than you played football. So uh, it, it has to be great to be able to, as you've said many times, to use that goodwill, to use that platform to go out and uh, inspire others. Yeah, it, it, I mean, what a what a blessing! I, many people struggle to find uh, one job that they love. Uh, one, you know, sometime during their lifetime and to, to find uh, a, a second profession that, uh, that God's blessed me at and that I'm able to, uh, excel at and, and, and really impact people's lives is, is just a, a tremendous blessing. You know, as I look back, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. You've got a great story. Um, you know, we talk a lot to people out there who are struggling to find their dreams and goals and, a lot of people out there, especially in the schools that I go to, where kids talk about what they want to accomplish with their life, uh, but they feel like sometimes that uh, maybe there's some things that are holding them back, regardless of what it is, but they lose hope. But your story is such an inspiration, coming out as a 12th round pick in 1983 and immediately making an impact and becoming one of the best defensive players in the NFL with the Denver Broncos. And um, so many people can associate with those kinds of stories, can't they? Yeah, you know. Uh... Life's not easy. Uh, it, it, it's a struggle. Uh, you're not always going to end up, in, you know, in, in, a, in a position that, that you think uh, you should be in. I, I was uh, I was an afterthought. I was the 310th pick of the draft. That's 20 guys away from Mr. Irrelevant. Um, uh, playing a 240-pound nose guard. They don't get in the NFL very often. And uh, but I got a chance. And and. I I believed that that I was going to make it. I I, uh, I, I love playing football. I was going to play until someone made me go home. And uh, you know, twelve years later, uh, they, <laughs> the writing was on the wall. And it was time to go home. Carl, what was the point uh, when you came to the Broncos? Because uh, I, you know, we've talked about this before that uh, you know you start down the depth chart, especially when you're a twelfth round pick or a free agent. Um, what, what was the point that clicked in for you that that you could do it or, or that you had the opportunity to do it? 
You know, actually, it was in college. Um, I had a had a coach, uh, the late Mike Wynn, uh, the defensive line coach at the University of Minnesota, who had uh, played a couple years in in the league uh, with the Raiders, and, and he he talked to me about what was what was necessary to make it at my position. At the time, I was playing defensive tackle. He uh, we talked about uh, pass rushing. If you could, if you can uh, rush the passer, they're going to find a place for you in the NFL. Um, my my junior year at the University of Minnesota, I split time with some uh, a senior and uh, ended up uh, leading the, the Big Ten in sacks. And uh, I think that was it. When 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 I was able to lead the Big Ten in sacks, and and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, uh, a lot of guys make it in the NFL out of the Big Ten. If I can uh, if I can do that at this level, maybe I can do it at the next level too. Carl Mecklenburg with us. He was a six-time Pro Bowler and uh, appeared in three Super Bowls with those great Bronco teams. And, you know, Denver's such a special place in terms of their football history. And, you know, for so many years, Carl, uh, the Broncos were an afterthought until you guys brought them to the forefront in in making those championships and going to those Super Bowls. Um, Tell me about the tradition of the Broncos. I mean, how close is the alumni, and, of course, with finally breaking through twice in 96 and 97 with guys on that team that you knew. Uh, what, what's the atmosphere in Denver with the alumni and just, the, just the, the, the whole feeling in terms of the organization and what it's accomplished? Roman, it is a, it's an amazing group. Uh, even, even before I got there, when, uh, the, the group that uh, the Orange Crush teams in 1977, uh, first trip to the Super Bowl for the Broncos, uh, when I when I got to the team, uh, most of those guys were still uh, on the defense, uh, playing uh, playing well in, in their later years, and and really able to mentor us and, and teach us what it meant to be a Bronco, how to uh, how to handle ourselves not only as professional football players but as men. Uh, it was a it, it was an awesome awesome experience. My rookie year, uh, thirteen guys, nineteen eighty three, thirteen rookies made the team. It was a it was a house cleaning. Uh, they, they brought us in, and, and instead of uh, the veteran guys that were still on the team uh, being upset about it, uh, they realized that they took us under their wings uh, and, and taught us about uh, being a professional football player and got us up to speed. Uh, it would it would uh, it would help the team, and, and that's what they were there for. So uh, so it was a, it was a great environment when I got there, uh, but playing with the likes of uh, you know John Elway and. Uh, and Gary Kubiak, and uh, you know uh, Tom Jackson, the, the older still there guys, when you were there? and the guys who came later. That that was that was huge. You know, one of the things one of the things that's interesting about um, what people talk about the history of the NFL. The, the you know they talk about the golden age of the NFL being the you know the '70s and early '80s, and um, you know most teams. Carl, you had guys that played for a long time. You mentioned how veterans had such an impact on rookies, and there was a, almost a obligation to mentor or to bring guys along but with the advent you know in the early 90s of free agency that's almost gone now isn't it because veterans of value seem to be the ones that go first yeah it's a it it really is a a juggling uh a a juggling effect with the with the rosters i i i truly feel that the teams uh that i played on would would fare very well uh, in, in today's NFL, just because 
we knew what the guy next to us was going to do without even looking. We, we played together for years. We, we understood each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses. Uh, you know, my job as a leader is to use the team's strengths to cover for your weaknesses and, and, and use your strengths to help the team. That, that's, that's what we did. And, and, uh, it was that, that type of teamwork, that type of cooperation, that type of understanding of what's going on around you is, is, uh, a tremendous, a tremendous thing in any sort of team situation, whether you're talking about in a family situation, in a community situation, in a business situation, it's the same concept. Uh, we, we had it for, you know, for those years, it was, it was tremendous to go to work every day. Uh, we all had the same passion, the same mission. We're all heading the same direction. I read a quote that you said once where you said, there's such a value in making commitment to the community, and it's not a burden in any way. I encourage all players to take advantage of it as much as they can. Is it harder today to do that with all the social networking and all the attention on players, or, or when you played, did you find it the, that that was an easier commitment to make in terms of just going about your business and what you had a passion for without all the hoopla? Yeah, you know, actually I think you can make a bigger impact now with the social media. I, th- I think uh, there's much more opportunity to get your point of view, your uh, your commitment to the community, and, and and get it out there so people can see it. Uh, I, yeah, there, there's there's so many opportunities now for players to 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 do just that. Uh, the the whole thing with the kneeling during the during the national anthem that that that's totally unnecessary. There's they, the guys can can get their point of view out through the through the internet, through the social media, through the radio, through the television, there's all kinds of opportunities for guys nowadays. It, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, during the game. Carl, do you think the breakdown is with the owner, the the owners, uh, the commissioner, both? The are the, is everybody culpable in this situation? Players, owners, and 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 Roger Goodell and the in uh, the NFL offices. Well, I, I think I think it's the nature of uh, of football players. Uh, truthfully, I think when when you're uh, a young football player, you feel invi- invincible. You you see uh, you have a very myopic view of the world. It, it's it's you know your life and maybe the life of the guys on your team, but you don't you don't see the whole world uh, the way you should. Um, and, and that's that's one of the the values of having veteran players around, guys that uh, that are mentors that have have, have seen uh, the way things can go wrong if you're if you're uh, uh, perceived the wrong way in, in the media. So, so to me, um, it, it, it was a breakdown maybe right from the start when, when free agency started and, and guys were moving around all over the place and you, and you really didn't have that family-type atmosphere on, on each team. Carl Mecklenburg is with us, former Denver Bronco linebacker. And, um, Carl, you know, I want people to know what you're doing. Obviously, you're out speaking all over the country to corporations and schools and inspiring others. Um for those out there that would like them, uh, like you, to have the opportunity to host you at their church or at their business or at their club, uh, how would they get hold of you, and and how, and how can they uh, get involved? Well, you can go to carlmecklenburg.com. Uh, it's uh, my website. Uh, I've also got uh, got an app. If you if you're an app person, uh, same thing. Carl Mecklenburg uh, is the app. Um, it's 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 not hard to find me. I'm 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 all over the country. Uh, like I said, I'm in Bismarck right now. I'll be in Cheyenne, Wyoming. The last month, I've been in Nashville. I've been in Atlanta. I've been in, uh, you know, I've been all over the place. I've been in uh, 
in Billings, Montana, and then all of that. Guys, I've heard this guy, so you, you need to have Carl come out if you have the opportunity, if you've got the ability to bring him into your corporation or your church or your school as well, because we want to get young people squared away. Carl, it's always a pleasure to have you on Sold Out and uh, wish you nothing but greatness, blessing as you travel the country, and good luck in North Dakota. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Take care, Roman. Carl Mecklenburg, former Denver Bronco. When we come back, pro skateboarder Brian Sumner. You're listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman will talk with pro skateboarder Brian Sumner. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel III. He's uh, been on tour with guys like Tony Hawk with the Birdhouse team. Uh, he's from Liverpool, England. He came over as a young man, and uh, this guy has made a difference in thousands of young people's lives. And uh, very excited to have Brian Sumner in with us. Brian, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm uh, hanging out, doing good, excited, yeah. Uh, it's up, an uprising uh, reality show with Pastor Jay Hazlip and Pastor Christian Hosoy. Yeah, uh, my name is Cold the Uprising. It's I think it's in like 120 million homes on the Inspiration Network. Cool. Or I believe it's steelroots.com slash the uprising or the uprising is here.com. Well, basically, you know, it's just uh, me and Pastor Jay, Pastor Christian, all skateboarders. And, and we just kind of said, okay, we're going to just go and just live our lives regularly. Go to the skate park, go into some of the ghettos, go to places like England, the Cayman Islands, and hang out with ultimate fighters, all different kinds of people, and we just go somewhere as ourselves, and God just seems to do a lot of different stuff each time. None of it's set up, other than we know where we're going. Website, and it just covers the scale of everything that you can probably encounter in ministry. So um, it's just been a blessing to do, and it's reached so many people. So I'm, I'm encouraged by it, even myself, though I'm in it. Yeah. Brian Sumner, professional skater I mean, with you us. You came over from England. You were yep. a tough kid, right? I mean, you, your, your dad used to show you the Bruce Lee films and stuff. You were into the, the to the ultimate fighting type of stuff probably before it was popular. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I assume that before as a skateboarder and ultimate uh, ultimate fighter type mentality that you're pretty darn aggressive on that board when you were a kid. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like a focus. Like it's just you and the skateboard. It's all your attention. It doesn't require anyone else. You know, baseball, you're relying on someone else. And skating, it's you and this board and the ledge or the rail or the ramp and whatever. And so I definitely applied, you know, back then not being a Christian, maybe the anger I had or the frustration or just being a young man. Skating was almost like a release for me and a focus for me. So I definitely give it 110%. Well, you know, I had a skateboard. It was a wood skateboard with the wheels. But, you know, nobody was really doing a whole lot but just kind of trying out things. And I can remember being out in the street with my friends just trying some things out. But with this whole X Games generation, um, when I grew up, you know, it was football, basketball, baseball. As you said, it was team sports. But yeah. what, what is it about today's youngsters uh, and why they're, they're, you know, in a lot of ways going away from team sports and, and, and trying things like, you know, skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding? What is it about the mentality you're seeing in these young kids that drives them to that? You know, um, in a lot of ways, I mean, it can sometimes even be rebellion. You know, if you're raised through a family of just everyone sitting on the couch watching this sport, and you better do this and you better do that. In a way, they're just so comfortable with it that they kind of might shy away. I mean, I'm a professional skater. My son's 10, and he's obsessed with baseball. I have a friend that's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and his 
kids are obsessed with skateboarding. So I don't know, just that generation of like sports people, the kids just opted for something different. I know for me personally, um, you know, Liverpool, obviously everyone's a soccer hooligan. Liverpool, FC, and Everton, and all the rest of them. Um, skating was just something way different for me that I was like, really? This is something I can do? This is something that's different than soccer? And so now what they say is skate, skateboarding itself is kind of like a new baseball. Like, kids didn't always have skateboards in the garages. Well, now they do. If you live by the ocean, you probably have a surfboard. Most people have snowboards. It's something the family does even. So whether it's a new thing for the times or what, I just know that skating itself really does so much for the mind and helps you mature. Most skaters just seem like they're just thugs on the street, but they're not. They become very focused and very passionate, and there's a tight-knit community there. So it's definitely a positive thing, but there is a massive negative influence in it as well. So you just got to be careful, yeah. We're talking to a professional skater, uh, skateboarder, Brian Sumner, who, of course, is out in Denver, Colorado, getting ready to... Uh, uh, do a great show, get out there and do a little skateboarding and uh, talk to these kids about his faith and about why he does what he does and the platform that he has. And, uh, you know, Brian, one of the things that, that, that has interested me, because I, I really am fascinated by the X Games and by that yeah. whole mentality and watching uh, just the commitment that you all have. And uh, I know a lot of people have this question. Uh, it sounds crazy, but when I watch this on, on television, I see the kind of wild stuff you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, how many times when you try these new tricks or when you're going out as you did as a youngster to places that, you know, I think you described in your testimony about, uh, you know, you really had to do some illegal things to, to, to get good at what you do in order to take advantage <laughs> of the landscape or wherever it was, whether it's a school or a park or a pool or whatever it is you're taking yeah. advantage of with a skateboard. But how many times do you get hurt or how many times in trying something new do you fall before you really get a good feel for what you're doing? You know, I just remember the first time I ever ollied downstairs, like just jumped down a small set of stairs. I remember just rolling up to them thinking like, oh, I know what you're meant to do. And I just jumped off my board in the air, spread my legs, and my board went right between my legs, and I was you know, in tears crying. So you just have to go through it. I mean, you go to a school like you're saying illegal things. I wouldn't do it today, obviously, as a Christian, obeying the laws of the land. But I would go to a school jump over the fence so i guess now you're trespassing you go find this handrail that no one's ever skated it's a 10 stair handrail or 15 stair handrail you've got to jump on this thing and grind it no matter how many times you've grinded it flat bar or you've learned the trick you still have to commit to this new obstacle and so good chances you know you'll make it good chances you'll fall and you could you know mess your hips up or land on your wrist or on your back and a lot of it Today, as the kids get really hurt because they don't really know how to fall, they haven't spent a lot of years skating and they didn't start skating when these things were progressing. Now, just right away, they jump down it. So, for me, I've bent my ankle a couple of times, I've broke my knuckles, broke my ribs. You know, I had a lot of bruises and concussions, but a lot of the kids today, I mean, they slam pretty bad because they haven't been skating long enough. I know kids that have broken their wrists like 12 times, just over and over and over. And for my kid getting into skating, when he didn't really care about it, I just said, that's fine, because I know what I had to go through in a way to learn all those tricks, and I wouldn't want him to have to go through that to do the stuff, the kind of things pros are doing today. So you get hurt enough, but I'm pretty safe. You know, I did karate, so I learned how to roll real good.
You don't have to have a huge stadium to play in. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have to, you know, do a whole big organization and, and, and pass out the uniforms. All you got to do is have that skateboard and have a group of people and a place to do it, and uh, it turns into an opportunity, right? Yeah, you know, as a kid, I just went outside the front door and just there's some curves to grind and jump on. So, And that's, that's really where I think a lot of these young men or even women now a lot of the parents, like, you know, should I let them skateboard? And I just tell them, you know, a lot of what it's going to do is teach them about themselves, the way their mind works, the way they can focus, what they can do, because it's just you and the skateboard all day, sometimes, you know, from an hour to five to six, seven hours. So you haven't got to be at the stadium. You haven't got to be at the gym. You haven't got to be with the team. You, just, you go rolling down the street, and you're good to go. You, you had an experience that a lot of people have when they come to Christ is, you know, we really have to get to the end of ourselves and have to understand that, that no matter how good our life is or how bad our life is, that uh, circumstances and, and opportunities that come our way, uh, they they never fulfill yeah. us. But you mentioned in your story where you say you, you, you got into a few fights, uh, uh, had a, a legal weapon, uh, I think it was a nightstick or something that a yeah, policeman yeah. found, and it, you ended up going to, to jail and to court, and that ended up leading you to your search for the Lord. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, um, I'd never had a job in my life. You know, you move to California when you're 15, 16, finish school early in England. And so, um, you know, you just start making money, living in apartments with a bunch of different pro skaters. You're soon you're buying a house and stuff. And met my wife at 19, didn't know the Lord. She didn't, was raised somewhat of a Catholic background, but had no spiritual clue of who Jesus was. And so just in the midst of everything, you know, getting married super quick and having money and being on the cover of magazines and videos and all the rest, just going, okay, God, like, fighting with this woman like crazy, there's jealousy, there's issues, lack of trust. We were just, you know, we're passionate people, so when it was bad, it was bad. And um, my son being born, everything looked great, you know, in, in the real world, I mean, or in the not real world, you could say. And I just cried out to God and said, God, I'm just over this, like... You know, we're fighting like crazy. We're probably going to get divorced. Like, I don't even care about life. If you don't make yourself known to me, I'm going to prove that you're not real. And who cares if I live? And a couple of things that happened. Obviously, we got divorced, which I was shocked by because my parents were both together. And the money was still going in. I was still going around the world. But the Bible says, what does it benefit, you know, man or Brian, if he's gaining the whole world but losing his soul? And I just began to read the Bible and look at Buddhism and Hinduism and Jehovah Witness, Mormonism and Rastafari and all the rest of it. And as I was just reading the Bible, God kept dealing with me and speaking with me. And as I was trying to, you know, seek God for my personal gain and just to see that he was real, he was really beginning to deal with me about the nation of Israel and a coming Messiah and our fallen state and sin. And it was very clear to me. I'd gone skating and Actually, I'm, I'm sitting in a pastor's office right now. It's got a bunch of Bruce Lee stuff around him. I was a Bruce Lee fan, and so I shot this skateboard ad for um, the company I rode for, Tony Hawk's Birdhouse, and I was wearing all this Bruce Lee equipment. And while at one of those stores one day buying it, somehow my friend had got a nightstick, and it had just been left in my car, you know, one of these things, and I didn't think anything of it. So as I'm skating one day, years maybe later, months later, I get stopped for skating, and the cops just check my car, find the stick, and say, oh, this is like having a gun. And I'm thinking, I know these things were bought at the store. How could it be illegal? Or I definitely wouldn't have had it in my car. Long story short, I'm in trouble with the police. And, you know, community service at a Christian thrift store. So there's Brian divorced, over living, not a citizen. 
you know, what's going on, still making all the money, and I'm crying out to God, and I end up in a Christian thrift store for seven or so weeks or months, and just um, crazy time. I'm skating, I'm making money, I'm fighting with this woman. I'm off up in Hollywood partying, doing dumb stuff, crying out to God. God's beginning to speak to me through the Word. And long story short, I'd gone home one night, got down on my knees after buying this house, inviting my ex-wife to live with me for the sake of my son. I'd heard my pastor, Pastor Jay, preach a message on Galatians 5, on how I was a sinner, on Matthew 7, on how many people call Jesus Lord, but He's not their Lord, how they don't really follow Him. I just said, God, I'm done with this. I've cried out to you enough. I believe you're real, but I've never met you. Show up in my life. Forgive my sin. I'll get baptized. I'll marry this woman. I'll go around the world, whatever you want to do. But until you make yourself real, until you're the Holy Spirit, you come and dwell inside of me. Save me from hell. I can't receive this. And um, I just asked him to make himself real after a 40-minute prayer. And that night I just felt the presence of God show up change my philosophical eastern philosophy bruce lee mindset bring love into my heart you know fully um just regenerate me make me born again and i just broke down in tears and just knew that god was real and just that was it and my life just began to change from that moment on well, brian it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we, we will be praying for you and we'll be uplifting you as you get with it continue to, to reach out to these youngsters and people all over the world with uh, with your abilities we, we, we hope that you'll come back and see us. We appreciate you so much for coming in. And Thank you. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, www.fspn.net, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.